The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It's 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here's your top five at five. A Tuesday comeback for tech, the sector trying to bounce back after getting hammered. The S&P 500 down five sessions in a row. The focus all on bonds. It's rising yields hit investor appetite for growth. Why comments from Fed Chairman Powell today might mean the rotation is here to stay. Bitcoin's wild ride in the fight for 50000 the latest trade, and the insane moves the crypto has been making. Metal fatigue, federal investigators digging into what exactly caused the engine fire aboard a United Boeing 777 jet. And friends, once again, Facebook and Oz making peace after more than a week-long standoff over news. It is Tuesday, February 23rd, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you for joining us here on CNBC. Let's get right to it and get a check on your money to see if we're going to be down six sessions in a row on the S&P 500. That's right. We're in the middle of a five-day losing streak. We have not seen that in a number of months, and futures indicating could happen. S&P futures off 16, Dow futures off about 50 points. Now, growth stocks, and in more particular, tech, coming off a very rough day and really very rough week. The NASDAQ falling more than 2%. Apple, if you're not paying attention, is down 5% so far this month. That's a big move for the world's biggest stock. Among the biggest movers, though, to the downside, Tesla, closing down more than 8% on Monday, its largest one-day drop since September of last year, when it fell 10%, and Tesla down another 5% in the pre-market. Growth stocks, one big concern on this market, and they are a huge part of the equity market over value, a much larger percentage, so when they move, they tend to take the market down. It's that donkey we've talked about for so long, pulling that market cart, if you will. Now, bond moves are a big part of what has been going on. Higher real yields on government debt spooking stock investors just a bit. Concern about inflation, one big reason, along, of course, with a little more competition for your investment dollars. The benchmark 10-year yield at 1.37% right now. Talk about that more in just a couple of minutes. All right, around the world, the markets in Japan, they were closed for a holiday. It's been one of the hottest markets in the world, as we have talked about. Overall, though, more green on the screen, ex-China. And in the European trade, let's see how they're doing as well. As we spin the globe, there we go. Germany down over 1%, but France and the UK down just fractionally. The Spanish market is in the green. You go, Spain. All right, new this morning, Facebook and Australia calling a truce in their week-long standoff over news posted to the ad platform. The company today says that it will restore Australian news pages after negotiating changes with the government 
to a proposed law that forces tech companies to pay for media content displayed on their platforms, like, of course, Facebook's newsfeed. The truce comes after Facebook last week blocked Australian users from sharing and viewing any news content, drawing criticism from publishers and the government. Facebook stock right now down very fractionally. Meantime, new developments in the investigation into what caused the engine fire on a United Airlines Boeing 777. The National Transportation Safety Board says damage to a fan blade on the engine is consistent with metal fatigue based on a preliminary assessment. That's according to the early investigation by the NTSB. The Pratt & Whitney engine failed on Saturday with a loud bang, according to people on the plane, four minutes after takeoff from Denver. But it remains unclear whether the incident is consistent with an engine failure on a different Hawaii-bound United flight, same jet, back in February of 2018. And after nearly a year of closures, New York City movie theaters will be permitted to open once again on March 5th. That's according to the governor. Locations in the city will be allowed to operate at just 25% capacity, consistent with rules currently in place for locations in the rest of New York State. Hopefully it's not too late for many movie theaters. All right, let's get back down to the markets. The S&P 500 at a five-day slide. It's first in months. Bond yields on the rise as Congress debates a nearly $2 trillion spending package. Maybe the markets are saying something else is going on. Let's be joined now by Bill Stone. He is Chief Investment Officer at the Glenview Trust Company. Bill, good morning. Thanks for joining us here. You got your rooster making coffee. I saw your little (laughs) gif there. Um, Is the bond market telling us something that maybe Congress and the Fed are not? Are we seeing a a disconnect between Wall Street and Washington? Yeah, I think the bond market's really telling you that, that it's expecting better real economic growth. You know, we've seen inflation expectations move up off the bottom you know, that's obviously not unexpected given, you know, the COVID shutdown. Um, but lately, the, the expectations for inflation haven't moved up a lot. It's really been expectations for real growth that's moved up. And frankly, that's good news for the market um, because you, when you look at it that way, that likely translates into better earnings growth. Yeah, I mean, listen, there are tens or 10 plus million people that are out of work. There are hospit. We, we don't have a recession. We have a hospitality depression. Restaurants, travel, leisure, and many small businesses absolutely obliterated. But Goldman Sachs noting there's over a trillion in forced savings. The Wall Street Journal had a story over the weekend that a lot of manufacturing and other work companies cannot find enough workers. Do you believe the underlying economy may be ex hospitality, may be stronger? than Congress or others may be saying or thinking about? I do. I mean, all you have to do is look certainly at the earnings of the S&P 500, which are actually up year over year in the fourth quarter. And think about that. With all those people unemployed, like you're talking about, large swaths of the and, – and we know earnings aren't the economy. But at the end of the day, there is just a lot of, I'll say, pent-up demand out there. And if we get this thing open – um, and I think you're seeing it, right? You saw it in the numbers, you know, retail sales numbers strong, industrial production num- numbers. You mentioned Japan earlier. Japan's, you know, industrial production is likely to show picking up 
pretty nicely here in January while the retail sales is down. Again, it's a, a function of COVID and reopening. So you're seeing it, I think, around the globe. So I think we're set up. And, you're, you know, again, I think the markets are starting to reflect that, that you are going to see a, I mean, a, a real boom in economic activity once we get open. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the Atlanta Fed's first quarter GDP forecast at nine and a half percent. The New York Fed is over eight percent. I mean, let me ask it more bluntly, Bill. Is this a market that needs one point nine trillion in additional cash infusion? A lot of families need it. But what's it going to do to inflation? What's it going to do to the overall? I mean, is it just a net positive for equity holders? It's it's hard because you're right. There are pockets, as you mentioned, and it's a pretty big pocket of people that are suffering. Um, so it's you know the the haves and have nots. So I don't know what the exact amount of size is. We probably I would argue you need some sort of help. And as you know, whenever the government's involved in anything, this doesn't matter what party you're talking about. Things get money gets spread to places where you know we'd probably disagree that it probably doesn't belong. But that's part of you know cutting the deal. So I think we'll get there. Uh, and get something. I'm not sure it'll be 1.9 yeah. now with the way numbers are working out. Um, but but I think the market will, on the whole, will like it. And you're seeing that shift underneath the surface where it, you know, the market is certainly starting to uh, like the more earnings exposed yeah. or the companies with so more I, earnings leverage. Bill, how do we quickly, how do we invest around this? Where do we invest right now? Yeah, I think you, you, I would bifurcate it towards some of the more cyclically uh, exposed. So some of the industrials, you can do the rails, you can do uh, some areas, you know, I, 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 maybe some of the defense. I like some of the defense with a little bit of aerospace exposure so you get that kind of earnings juice when the aerospace comes back. Um, but then also maybe offset it with some, some pharmaceuticals where uh, I think they're cheap, but obviously not as much exposure in terms of economic side. Bill Stone, Glenview Trust. Bill, pleasure to have you on this nice and early morning. Bill, thank you very much. (laughs) Take care. All right, now to Washington News. President Biden will hold his first bilateral meeting as commander-in-chief today, set to speak virtually with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. NBC's Tracy Potts here now live for the nation's capital with more on this. Tracy. Brian, good morning. The two countries have traditionally had a strong relationship, although not always in lockstep on every issue. But both leaders have said they look forward to this meeting. They look forward to strengthening that relationship. Vice President Harris will also be part of that meeting. Trade, climate change, and the COVID pandemic are expected to dominate today's conversation between President Biden and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. We're ready to work shoulder to shoulder to defeat COVID-19 and rebuild economies that work for everyone. Rebuilding America means helping small businesses survive. The government says 400,000 have closed their doors. President Biden announced a two-week window for businesses with fewer than 20 workers to apply for loans. A lot of these mom and pop businesses got muscled out of the way by bigger companies who jumped in front of the line. He's pushing Congress to approve his relief plan, which includes billions more for small business loans. Today, Congress turns its attention to last month's riot at the Capitol. A congressional panel will hear from Washington's police chief and three who resigned after the attack. 
the former sergeant at arms for the House and Senate, speaking publicly for the first time, and former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund. Lawmakers want to know why they weren't prepared and why it took so long to secure the building. I think this was the most uh, heinous attack on, a demo- on the democratic processes that I've ever seen and one that I never expected to see in my lifetime. Merrick Garland, President Biden's attorney general nominee, says the siege will be his top priority if confirmed. Now, federal investigators are already looking into whether Trump allies helped organize that attack. But Brian and sources telling NBC News that charges are not likely. Well, Tracy, can we expect more congressional hearings about it? It sounds like we're we're going to be. Yeah. Probably this is supposed to be the first of of several hearings that are going to be held on this. They want to bring in the people who replaced those who are testifying today. And they also want to bring in uh, federal intelligence agencies to question them about what they knew or what they should have known before this happened. NBC's Tracy Potts in D.C. Tracy, thank you. Have a great day. All right, on deck, we'll go back to where Tracy is, back to D.C. And are we going to see a massive vaccination jump very soon? Executive from COVID vaccine makers set to testify on the Hill about just that. Watch out, Tesla, a new electric car maker going public today to the tune of $11 billion. And later on, the S&P 500 may be in the middle of a five-day losing streak, but it's not all bad news. We're going to show you the top three stocks in the last five days. And that video is its kind of more than a hit. We're kind of hitting you over the head with the hammer. But we're going to show you the top three stocks over the last five days. We've got a very busy hour when Worldwide Exchange returns. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. Let's take a look at the markets here. Dow futures, they are down once again, although once again, that look at that, that green, right? I'll take the center square for 200. Dow futures are slightly in the green on that fair value basis. We've seen this the last couple of days. Sort of big industrial companies have actually just quietly crept higher, while growth technology, which is the biggest part of the NASDAQ and the S&P 500, it has fallen 
Dow laggards include Salesforce, Apple, and Microsoft, but names like United Health, some of the cyclicals, they have done well as of late. We'll see if that rotation continues. All right, it is time now for your daily vaccine update, where we lay out exactly where we stand as a nation on our vaccination rollout. The numbers continue on or above pace. Remember, the U.S., the most vaccinated large nation in the world, second by large nations as a percentage of population. Here are the facts. As of yesterday, 75 million doses have been delivered. 64 million have been administered. More than 44 million people have received one or more doses. 19 plus million have received both. That means about 17% of the U.S. adult population has now been vaccinated with at least one dose. COVID cases down 81% from their highs just over a month ago. And new cases yesterday dropping below 50,000 for the first time since early October. And thankfully, hospitalizations, they are tumbling along with it. Let's hope this trend is one that continues. All right, coming up, it was one of the government-mandated winners of the lockdowns. But how will surging lumber and commodity prices impact Home Depot's bottom line? The earnings out today, the top analyst is here. Today's big number, $1.5 trillion. That's how much excess savings American households have accumulated since the beginning of the pandemic, according to research by Goldman Sachs. The firm expects savings to rise to 11% of GDP by the time normal life is restored later this year. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back and good morning. Here are a couple of big money stock stories to talk about on this Tuesday. Number one, Carnival announcing plans to sell $1 billion more in stock. The cruise line has canceled all U.S. departures through the end of April. Stock two, the real real, really, shares the luxury marketplace falling this morning after earnings and revenue did fall short of Wall Street expectations. Stock number three, are you looking to update your deck? Or you are not alone. Everybody's doing these home improvement projects. And Winchester, Virginia reported treks. Go Winchester. Better than expected earnings and revenues. The composite decking manufacturer says it expects growth to expand as its capacity increases and it backfills inventory. And a bonus name for you. Number four, HSBC. The European financial giant announcing it will resume its dividend. Not helping the stock, though. Still down 1.5% this morning. All right, let's get a check on some of this morning's other top headlines outside of money and business, including the latest on the crisis in Texas, where the cleanup and much of the pain is just beginning. NBC's Francis Rivera in New York with that and more. Francis. 
Brian, good morning. Yeah, the massive effort is underway to get Texas back up and running. More than 8 million Texans still don't have access to clean drinking water. And just over 16,000 residents don't have power. The White House press secretary said President Biden is expected to visit Texas sometime this week. Governor Greg Abbott has restricted companies from cutting off power if a customer can't pay. Energy company NRG announced it is donating $10 million in relief for the Lone Star State. The Perseverance rover is sending greetings from Mars. NASA revealed new video of the mission that landed the machine on the red planet. The rover also captured the first sound ever recorded from the surface of Mars. Listen here closely. You can barely hear it. Well, Perseverance captured that familiar sound, a wind gust on a planet millions of miles away. And former President Barack Obama and rock star Bruce Springsteen are launching their own podcast called Renegades, Born in the USA. The eight-episode show will cover everything from fatherhood to marriage to the state of America. It is set to air on Monday. So this needs to be more than just eight episodes, Brian. It needs to be a whole season, a whole series with all kinds of pairings. So many people will watch it. Just great insight, I'm sure. It's the boss and the commander in chief. I I saw like a clip of it that was posted last night. It looked looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. Look forward to checking it out. Francis, thank you very much. Sure thing. All right. Have a great day. All right. Straight ahead from Jerome Powell and vaccine makers to stimulus talks. Oh, everything's happening in D.C. What investors should be watching for in Washington. Elon Moy up with that. And of course, if you... We're not Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama. We get that. But we have our own podcast. I'm told it's pretty good. It's called Worldwide Exchange. You can check it out. Subscribe, download, whatever. Apple, Spotify, and other pod. I predict we'll be in the top 500,000 of globally ranked podcasts if you download it today. We're back. Dow Futures off 61. We'll see you in two minutes. Will it be six in a row? The S&P 500 trying to snap a six-day losing or five-day losing streak as rising rates and inflation concerns hang over the markets. A big boost could be on the way, though, for stocks. The nearly $2 trillion spending plan moving one step closer to passage. There's a live look at Capitol Hill. Alon Moy standing by in D.C. with what is next. And Home Depot's quarterly results set for release in just minutes. Rising lumber costs present potential new hurdles for the retailer's stay-at-home sales spike. It is Tuesday, February 23rd, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, good morning and welcome or welcome back. I'm Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us here on Worldwide Exchange. And let's get right to it and get a check on your money to see if we're going to be down six sessions in a row on the S&P 500. And it looks like we could be, although, again, futures, they're not down much. They are down, but not a lot. And at this hour, futures, they're a tell. Are they the best tell? Eh, Thinly traded. We'll see what happens. Either way, watch equity markets. Big rotation, growth to value that's been going on. Talk more about it in minutes. Bond market moves, a big part of what is going on on a macro level. Bond prices down, yields up. And those higher yields, which are up 130% of the 10-year in six months, stoking a little concern about inflation. One big reason, maybe stocks are having a tough time the last couple of days, of course. Rising yields, maybe not at 1.37%, but rising yields 
are an incremental competition to your investment dollar, especially with markets as hot as they have been the last year. The yield on the 10-year, look at that. Look at that big spike from Friday alone. Huge jump. And by the way, that is a, I know you look at it and you say, well, it's not that much. For the bond market, that is actually a very big move. It is a super tanker. It is not a speedboat. Now, we also want to get a look at the so-called reopen traders. We call it the kind of tongue-in-cheek, the GOAT trade. Get out and travel. It's our own little index here on Worldwide Exchange. It has been booming even during this five-day slump. I know it's early. Maybe you haven't had that second cup of coffee, but I, but I believe in you folks. I want you to see if you can spot a trend on the top. It's hard. The top three stocks in the S&P 500, the last five sessions. See if you... Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines, Carnival Cruise Lines, Norwegian Cruise Lines. Did you solve the quiz? Look at those stocks in the last five days. They have been on fire. A lot of optimism around what we talked about. Vaccine, cases down 80% from their highs. Let's hope, fingers crossed, that we have seen the peak. Still a lot of concern, but those reopened. The GOAT stocks really have been the GOAT. All right, now to the latest chapter in the ongoing WeWork SoftBank saga. Bertha Coombs is back now with details on that and some of this morning's top other headlines. Bertha, good morning. Good morning, Brian. We were co-founder Adam Newman and SoftBank are nearing a deal over the former CEO's payout. CBC has learned that under the settlement, SoftBank would buy about 25% of Newman's stock in WeWork for $480 million, half as much as it originally intended to buy. Now, the move would be a part of SoftBank's plan to buy roughly $1.5 billion of shares from early WeWork investors, including Newman, who would remain a major shareholder in the company. Luxury electric vehicle maker Lucid Motors, meantime, is going public after reaching a deal with Churchill Capital in one of the highest profile SPAC agreements to date. The two sides saying they will combine at equity value of nearly $12 billion, with private investments bumping up that figure to $24 billion. Shares of Churchill Capital have plummeted in extended trading on the news after rallying on reports that the deal was near. And Moderna says it's received positive feedback from the FDA over its proposed uh, boost to the numbers of COVID vaccines doses in each of its vials. One vial of the company's two-shot vaccine contains 10 doses, enough to inoculate five people. The company is looking to add five more doses to those vials to ease manufacturing backups. Moderna's president will discuss the matter during a House hearing today. That is something people will be watching closely, Brian. Yeah, you know, it was funny, Bertha. I went on to some mass vaccination website just to kind of see about the queue the other day. They open up like Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 9 a.m. <laughs> and I logged in, and I was 20, it's the real number, 20, 20, something like 24,700th <laughs> in line. And, I, and I'm not even in a yeah, group part that's of the eligible. Is, I just wanted to poke is, around. I'm not even close. Yeah, it's this. It's basically the rhythm of supply that we've gotten. So they put it up as soon as they get supply, but they don't know that they're going to get a dedicated supply. Uh, I was just talking with a federally qualified health uh, center. They're going to be getting some dedicated supplies. So they're now going to be getting 
you know, they know they're yeah. going to get 5,000 doses a week. So it's much easier to schedule, much easier to know what is going to happen. Yeah. And I, I had an idea. I, we got to go. I had an idea. My, most of my ideas are terrible. We talk about opening schools, teachers getting vaccinated, but they're like back on the list. Why not make two days like next week, teacher educator vaccination day, just like dedicate them to educators and school administrators. Right. Seriously. Say that's your day. Come get it. Get the get the shot. Anyway, Bertha Coombs, thank you very much. You need the supply. You need the supply. That's true. All right. Let's stay now on that vaccine hearing and what is shaping up to be a big day in D.C. As Bertha said, Moderna's president will appear along representatives from Pfizer, J&J, AstraZeneca and Novavax to provide updates on supplies, timelines and candidates. Vaccine manufacturers will tell lawmakers supply constraints are easing, which means more inoculations for more Americans. For its part, J&J says it may deliver enough of its single-dose vaccine, by the way, still in review by the FDA, to inoculate more than 20 million Americans by the end of March. We'll also be watching Fed Chair Jerome Powell kicking off two days of congressional testimony. Powell, a hearing before the Senate Banking Committee today, expected to highlight improving economic data and virus trends. The Democrats push the rush to get that nearly $2 trillion spending package out to Americans moving forward which will provide a lot of money to struggling states and for school districts over the years to come. A House panel approving the plan yesterday, setting the stage for a full House to approve it later on this week. There's a lot to get to. Let's, let's bring it to somebody that can knock it down and clarify it a lot more than I just did. Alon Moy joining us now with more. All right, there's 7,400 choices of you to, where to start on this story. Alon, where are you going to begin? Well, I'm going to start with the easy stuff, Brian, because it's been pretty smooth sailing for the relief package so far. It did pass the House Budget Committee last night after roughly seven hours of debate. It will go to the House floor later on this week, and there is little doubt that it's going to pass. So all the drama is really going to happen in the Senate. Instead, Republicans and Democrats will square off on Wednesday over increasing the minimum wage and whether that'll even be allowed under the special rules that they're using to pass this bill. And despite initial overtures from both sides, GOP leadership is signaling that support for this relief package is going to break down along party lines. The partisan legislation Democrats are preparing to ram through looks like something you'd pass to blunt another year of shutdowns, not to help guide a smart and proactive recovery. It looks more like another big bandage for a mostly shut down country. GOP opposition means that Democrats are going to have to stick together in order to pass this bill. There is not room for even one defection. But Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia has been flexing his muscle lately. He came out against the White House's nominee for budget director, Neera Tandon, all but sinking her chances of getting confirmed. He does not believe the minimum wage should be increased to $15 an hour. And he does think the stimulus checks need to be targeted. So, Brian, Democrats still have a lot of internal work to do before this relief package becomes reality. Back to you. Yeah, Joe Manchin, maybe the most powerful person in Washington, D.C. Alon, stay with us because we want to bring you into this next conversation because with COVID cases crashing down 80% from their highs of just over a month ago, large parts of the economy humming and the bond market seeming to be screaming about inflation. Of course, with millions out of work, should we really care about inflation? Either way, there is a large economic discussion here and bring it in 
is Lindsay Piegza. She is chief economist at Stiefel on Moy, still with us as well. This is a tough one, Lindsay. And I'm a t- intellectually, it's hard to have this discussion because there are two Americas right now, not red or blue. OK, let's forget that. It is, according to Goldman Sachs, 11, 1.5 trillion in forced savings. Huge percentages of the U.S. economy are actually doing fantastic. Household savings, manufacturing, trucking, you name it. But hospitality, travel, leisure, and small business is getting crushed. So different. In your mind, is this economy one that needs $1.9 trillion more dollars? Well, I think you can make the argument that early on at the onset of the crisis, stimulus was desperately needed when we had over 20 million Americans out of work and millions more businesses forced to close their doors. But at this point, 10 months into the pandemic, with already trillions upon trillions spent, not to mention billions of dollars still waiting to be allocated from the December stimulus package, I do think that we need to focus on a longer-term reopening plan as opposed to further growing the government's balance sheet and potentially creating insurmountable debt as the economy does struggle to regain organic legs. But at the very least, if a sixth-round stimulus package is a given, I'd like to see it much smaller, much more targeted in nature. Yeah, I saw, I think it was a Blue Maru poll, and just one of many, so take it for what it's worth, Lindsay, that 70-plus percent of those checks are either going to go to savings or paying down credit card or other debt, that only maybe a quarter of it would actually be put into the market. How would you respond better to a plan that would say, as opposed to 1400 a person, give 10 grand maybe to people in hospitality, the sectors that have been destroyed, give them more and dial it back on the other side. I'm not even sure if that's logistically workable, but would that be a better strategy for helping them and helping the economy? Well, I think the direct checks need to be removed from this stimulus package. I also think that unemployment benefits need to be extended to help those sectors, as you mentioned, that have been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. But I do think that they need to be uh, scaled back from these enhanced benefit levels. I also think that we should remove some of these non-COVID variables, such as raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. So again, really bringing the package back to a more targeted approach to help those businesses, help those individuals that are struggling, as opposed to this broad uh, sense, this this broad reaching, uh, all encompassing package that I fear the one point yeah. nine trillion dollar proposal really is. Along that ain't going to happen, is it? No, I mean, Brian, the reality here is that there's the economics, but there's also the politics. Democrats are committed politically to those $1,400 stimulus checks, and they're already committed to the $1.9 trillion figure. They can do this without Republicans and do it by by March 14th before those unemployment benefits run out. I think that where investors need to start looking is to what the next relief package or the next stimulus package looks like. If we're questioning whether or not the economy needs $1.9 trillion now, is it going to need another two or even $3 trillion of additional stimulus and investment after this package? And what exactly is that going to be structured like? There's going to be a lot of money sloshing around the system. Yeah, Lindsay, I mean, it's probably not going to happen. There's politics, of course, involved in large swaths of the economy that are just absolutely devastated. But the, but the uh, what's your take, Lindsay? I've been, I've been to 15 states since a two or through 15 states. I know it's a weird opinion, 
But when I look around, I think there's large parts of the economy which are are doing better than we think. There was an article in the journal that companies can't get workers. It's just hospitality and small business that have gotten leveled. If we could do something to help the families that need it the most, benefit the economy, and not raise national debt in such a way, what would it, what would the Piezza plan be if you could design it? Well, you say just small businesses, but remember, small businesses are typically the engine of the economy, the engine of the labor market, accounting for somewhere around 70 percent of job creation. So this still is a significant portion of the economy that has been hard hit. But to your point, we have seen improvement. We've seen improvement in manufacturing, moving back into expansionary territory. Housing metrics are very robust. Auto sales have picked up, even retail sales. Although after three months of very dismal spending, we did see that December stimulus checks reach the hands of Americans and and result in very strong spending at the start of the year. But at the same time, we're still talking about some 10 million Americans out of work. And as you mentioned, small businesses bearing the brunt of that. Right now, what can we do to help the economy? If it's not reopening the economy, which would be my first choice, we do have to extend those unemployment benefits. We do have to extend probably a PPP-like program. But again, raising uh, benefits above 100 percent of one's income is only going to exacerbate that disconnect between businesses trying to reconnect with workers that have left the labor market. Lindsay Piggs, Elon Moy, and, and, and kids in Elon's school district, as we learned yesterday, going back to school for the first time since March 12th. Congratulations to all the parents in your district, Elon. Glad to hear it. That is probably the key to the economy, getting the kids back in school. Elon and Lindsay, thank you very much. All right, on deck, Dex. Home Depot set to roll out their results. Stores are packed. Everybody going DIY, but does that make the stock a good buy for your money? A top analyst is here with that and more. Dow futures down. Bitcoin down 7,000. We'll get you a crypto update right after this break. Stick around. All right, welcome back. Home Depot set to release its fourth quarter results at the top of the hour. The stock's been a stay-at-home success, kind of, up more than 40% since the pandemic lows, which is great for investors, but maybe not as good as a lot of other stocks. Joining us down the CNBC Newsline is top-ranked industry Evercore analyst, Senior Managing Director Greg Mellick. Greg, good to have you on. I loved your last note, and I don't want to take away from our coverage. The earnings print means almost nothing. The guidance means almost everything. What are we looking for from the guide, if not the EPS? We're looking for the guide that Home Depot can, despite the very strong results last year on the DIY side, this year that they can grow again, both a little bit of sales growth and some sort of earnings growth. I think that's enough for the market. And what would be a guidance that you would be happy with? What do you want to hear them say about the next coming quarters, months, years? Well, we want to hear them say is that the share gain that they had in 2020 uh, not only is held but can continue to grow. And specifically, they've done a great job building their omni-channel or multi-channel business. Uh, So continuing to grow that at, say, 30% plus and gaining share on that side uh, and do it – at least as profitably as they are now, if not more profitably. The EBIT margin is 14%. We 
we'd like to see that 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 could go a little higher or at least not go down. It has gone down the last few years due to all the e-commerce investments. Yeah, you've got a term in your latest note called nesting stickiness. I love that. Basically, the idea that people are home, they're doing home projects, either out of boredom, they've got a lot of other savings to spend. But, Greg, I guess the question, and this is probably the hardest part of your job right now, is when the economy reopens, and it will, hopefully sooner than later, fully, you know, around, we're already seeing it, by the way, there's hotels in Vegas that are nearly sold out now. When we start to go out in full again, is that going to draw and siphon that money away from Home Depot? But we, we believe we will go out in full again. Maybe we're just inherent optimists. Uh, but I also think that it will take longer than a lot of people think. We need to get the virus under control so that people feel like they can go out much more like it was in, say, 2019 and before COVID. Uh, I think once you have that, you'll have a full normalization. I don't think that's this year. That's probably still several years away. We use the analogy of 9-11, which also had a post, uh, had a nesting period, again, more centralized around New York and some major urban areas. Uh, and you saw home improvement grab share of wallet of the consumer uh, really for five, six, seven years after 9-11. So, we look at home improvement spend per, per household, and we're still 20% below yeah. uh, each of the prior four peaks. And our home improvement lead indicator is telling is the strongest it's been since the 1970s with the growth in existing home sales and home prices. So, you know, we think there is some stickiness here. Nesting stickiness. My, you, you might have coined the term of the day. Greg Mellick, thank you very much. Recommending Home Depot, one of his top favorite stocks, along with Best Buy and a few others. Greg, appreciate it. Have a good day. All right, on deck, your morning RBI and some of the more optimistic signals that the markets are sending. Plus, Gina Sanchez is here laying out whether stocks can look past worries over rising bond yields. And we'll talk cryptos as well. Bitcoin is down $7,000 right now. And, of course, you have not already subscribed to our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange on TV, download the podcast today. We're back right after this. Well, it's time now for your morning RBI, and today it is about economic optimism. And no, this isn't just about some pie-in-the-sky opinion. It's what the markets are telling us. And I'll give you three non-human things to point to. All right, number one, the bond market. Yields of the 10-year government bond, they have doubled in just six months. The pace of that gain is not only incredibly rare, but big bumps like this generally signal shark economic growth, shark economic growth, he said, ahead. Two, the so-called copper-to-gold ratio. Yeah, there is such a thing. It's also popular and, and signaling maybe growth ahead. And third, look at the commodity markets. The DBC commodity ETF, by the way, one I wrote about in my predictions back in December, is up 15% just this year. But hey, if that's not enough and you want a human opinion and not just some charts, here you go. J.P. Morgan's economic team recently out with a note saying U.S. economic growth will be sharper than even China's rebound coming out of the pandemic. Keep in mind, China is basically fully back to normal right now, and they don't have nearly $2 trillion in stimulus likely on the way on top of that. And also maybe more than $1 trillion in savings sitting around families' bank accounts, according to Goldman Sachs. All of this, random but interesting, I hope, or at least hopeful. Oh, and by the way, 
If all that's right, book that December vacation now. Because if these signals are correct, rooms are going to go quick over the holidays if they're not gone already. All right, now to the broader markets and your money. Stocks are going to try to shake off the hangover effect from these rising bond yields. Took the wind out of the tech sector's sales. And NASDAQ losing 2.5% just yesterday. But your next guest says tech is not as overvalued as some other parts of the market may be. Gina Sanchez, CEO of Chantico Global, CNBC contributor, longtime friend, joining us now. Gina, good to have you back on. Good to chat with you. Before we get to stocks... We've got to throw up the cryptos. I know you're not a Bitcoin expert. Maybe that's an oxymoron, right? Crypto expert. They've been around not that long. Bitcoin is down $7,000 right now. Ether down 17%. Ripple down 24%. I mean, this is a huge, maybe the biggest sell of all time in the cryptos happening real time right now. You have an opinion on this? What do you make of it? Well, when we look at crypto, we look at crypto as a, um, you know, as a, as a, you know, pointer to excess money. We had so much excess money. In fact, if you looked at the growth of M2 money supply in 2020 as a result of the massive stimulus that has already been given, never mind the stimulus we're talking about, um, and yet that didn't make its way into inflation. CPI actually fell over that same period. All of that excess money, instead of going into wages and goods and services pricing, um, actually ended up going into the stock market. We saw an expansion of the stock market, but it went into other assets as well. And Bitcoin is a perfect symptom of this excess money. Um, If you just look at cryptocurrency and its meteoric rise, look at special purpose acquisition companies, SPACs, um, you look at the double B tranche of the CLO market. I mean, we're talking about the riskiest sectors of the market basically attracted excess capital. And Bitcoin, because its rise was meteoric, it is also super sensitive to any concern um, that we may see a contraction in that excess money. Bitcoin had an $8,000 round trip, Gina, yesterday for the highs to the lows and and back up near the highs. I mean, simply, I don't know if it's incredible or insane, but it's it's nothing I have seen in, in 25 years of doing this. NASDAQ, technology, the rotation out of growth names. We're starting to see that value stocks are only about a quarter of the economy growth. The other three quarters here, where are you seeing value right now? So it's it's a real challenge because we saw actually the, the growth actually reasserted itself after about three months of a value rally at the end of the year last year. Um, and January seemed to be a return to growth. Uh, but right now we're looking at a situation where you have um, uh, the you commented on so many elements of a post-pandemic boom. We see so many uh, pieces of, of um, evidence that a post-pandemic boom is on the way. And so you see the yield curve steepening and concerns that suddenly uh, the, you know, the equity risk premium isn't going to stack up very well. Um, but the reality to that concern is that even though we may see a rise in bond yields, and we already are seeing it, um, the front of the yield curve, because of the way that the Fed actually designed um, their framework, mm-hmm. is going to stay low for at least 12 months because in order to move uh, short-term yeah. interest rates, you have to see 12 months of inflation. Um, and so it's actually designed to Gina, make an inflation. 
Gina Sanchez, hate to cut you off, my friend. Got to leave it there. Up against a hard break. Apologies. Have an awesome day. Look forward to seeing you in person again, hopefully sooner than later. Gina Sanchez, thank you. That does it for us. I'm off to Texas to tell the Energy Grid story. I'll see you from there live. Squawk Box is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.